Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to the Bulls Cast with Chris Stonich and Ben Goddard, your independent Hereford FC podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Bulls Cast, your independent Hereford FC podcast and Herefordshire sport podcast brought to you by the Hereford Times. I'm joined by Ben Goddard and Keith Hall this week. How are we, gents? Are we good? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good afternoon, everyone. Yeah, yeah really good. Yeah, I've been off for a couple of days at a wedding. So, yeah. Another one, Ben. Like, another wedding. Second wedding in three, two weeks. I know. And I remembered what it was like to be a student yesterday, just... Slobbing about with a bad hangover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're basically living my life then, then. <laughs> yeah, I was reminded by my missus that it wasn't to happen too often. <laughs> once, once was a let off. <laughs> Twice. Yeah, if it happens again in a couple of months, I'll be in big trouble. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so you guys um, made a long trip up, I believe, to Bradford um, last time out. Um, just basically what were your thoughts we'll start with you Keith um, firstly on, on the performance and then on the result yeah, I thought the performance was pretty good overall um, certainly controlled possession for a vast majority of the second half in particular I think we had a bit of a slow start and I think the big man up front Luke Rawson caused a bit of consternation in the back four um, he put, actually put the ball in the back of the net twice but both were ruled out uh, for offside and fouls so he was a bit of a a difficult player to, to come up against. But I think once they sort of uh, realised what they got to face, I think they settled down and played some some really good football at times. Not quite the cutting edge um, that we would all like, but um, on a plastic surface, I didn't think it was too bad at all, to be fair. Yeah, Ben, what were your thoughts, especially the long trip up? Um, not great weather, I believe, either. Yeah, I think the weather and the Fiji surface played into um, into Bradford's hands, and I think Hereford coped really well with it after after the opening twenty minutes. Um, obviously, Rawson had them two or three efforts, and the back four looked a bit disjointed. But after the twenty minutes, because the ball was skidding along the surface so quick, um, it, it was difficult to play on if if you're not used to it. And Bradford are probably used to training on it in wet weather and. They're probably used to the way the pitch reacts and it, it wasn't an, a normal pitch to play on. Um, the, the, the surface was very slick and the ball was, as soon as it hit the floor, it was pinging off in different directions. So, um, but yeah, once, once they got used to the, the 3G and how, how it reacted, um, they got there eventually. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think a point's probably a fair result in the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we saw... Um, well, you've already had the the life of the journal, the life of the journalist at non-league level, um, gents. Uh, talk us through your experience there. So keep yeah, it on radio, down, didn't it, Ben? It was a cloudburst for about twenty minutes. It was absolutely hammering down. There was one incident, I think, with Miles Story uh, towards the end of the game, and the pitch was already soaked up a lot of water, and he sort of skidded 
uh, near the halfway line, you know, on his backside straight to an advertising hoarding, and he, he was already soaked. But he he was even more sodden after that. He absolutely drenched, and you know the water was spraying off the pitch as he slid along the ground. Um, yeah, absolutely horrendous uh, conditions, and obviously Bradford. Um, it's a very bleak ground for those who've never been there. It's so sort of a, an open bowl. Um, and it's an athletic stadium as well. So the, the pitch is quite a long way from the spectators, unless you can get right down the front, uh, which obviously we weren't. And there's no electricity for, for us journos. Um, and so it was a, a bit fraught. And the Wi-Fi, the uh, signal was a bit iffy for us. So we had to struggle, but Ben and I got through it. Just about, yeah. There was a moment about. Well, we got there. We got there early, luckily, and they were trying trying to charge my laptop, and they had no power in the clubhouse, no no power outside, and I had this extension lead, you know, and almost the whole length of the clubhouse from the one power socket that seemed to work, trying to get as much juice in my laptop as I could, and I think I, I managed to get uh, get everything done, and about half an hour later, it died in the car on the way home. So I was, I was quite happy to get everything <laughs> done, to be honest, on a Saturday. Oh, man, that's brilliant. Yeah, so one player that stood out, only started a couple of days ago, uh, is Eli Ismail. Um, I remember because one of my friends is a Wolves fan, I'm sure you'll know Ben, when he played for Wolves. I think um, it might have been Mick McCarthy, or it might have been someone else who said he was the next Messi, um, <laughs> something like that. Um, currently played for Hereford FC. It'd be great if Messi was playing for Hereford FC, but um, showed that bit touch of class, uh, do you think, man? Yeah, he's just um, he's probably a, a couple of games away from full fitness, but you can see what he's got um, on the ball and um, running at players as as a winger. Um, yeah, exciting player. It'd be interesting to see what he's what he's how he's improved in a week um, when we play Files on Saturday. Um, obviously, two two or three training sessions, a match day um, last week at Bradford. I mean, I, I don't think he was very impressed with Bradford and the facilities of Bradford. <laughs> I think a bit of a stand down from championship uh, football, to be honest. Uh, he didn't look um, very impressed to that much at all. You'll probably hear on his interview. Uh, yeah, he was a bit, a bit quiet, was Ellie. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you think, um, Keith, sorry, that, that Ismail could provide um, sort of a, a new level, uh, having played at such a, a high level before? Yeah, you'd like to think so. Obviously, it's a challenge for him. Fitness is as we hear, we'll hear in a minute in the interview after the game, is obviously a big worry for him. And I feel for him because it's obvious that he wants to get out there on a regular basis, but he just needs match time and hopefully he doesn't break down in the process. Here at the Horsfall Stadium, I'm joined by Hereford's new signing, uh, Zeli Ishmael. How much did you enjoy getting back out there today? Yeah, it was brilliant for me, especially after being out for such a long period of time, you know, with a... Uh... Got a bad hamstring injury, but it's buzzing to be back out there again. Because obviously your background, you're at Walls and Walsall. Uh, I suppose training is good for you. It's quite close to, to where you live. Yeah, it's not. It's not too far. You know, they train at Aston Uni, so it's not too far away from me. But the main thing is just being out there again with the boys and back involved. Because for you, it's minutes on the pitch, isn't it? It's so important. Yeah, definitely. Like us with any player, you know, you need to get minutes on the pitch. Um, like for myself, I've been out for such a long time with an injury, and um, to be back out there again, more minutes in the in the tank, good for me. Because your background is pretty much League One, for a few games in the Championship and League Two. So uh, this for you is a, it could be a catalyst to, to kick on. Um, hopefully, hopefully, you know. Um, <clears throat> been out like I keep saying, the injuries it's, it's killed me like 
throughout my career really I've just not been able to get like a, a season where I'm injury free so hopefully this is this is the one uh, so George Forsyth came in scored the opening goal before Bradford equalised late on um, but yeah uh, what do you think of the goal then what was the, uh, the sort of movement of play beforehand yeah it was a hell of a strike uh, Miles Story on the right hand side um, held the ball up pulled it back on the edge of the box then he just let rip and smashed into the back of the net well he didn't even it wasn't even a powerfully hit shot it was more of a placement but he found the top corner brilliantly and uh he couldn't repeat it twice or three times. He tried again a couple of times later in the match and he couldn't quite repeat his earlier effort. But yeah, it was a hell of a goal. Uh, shame it wasn't the winner, really, because he'd have had all the plaudits for that. Yeah, it would have been right at back page of the for Times, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not exactly off, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, there's, a ma- there's a match report on the Bradford um, own website and it said a deflected shot. Well, I didn't notice a deflection at the time and I've looked for footage since and I don't think we've seen match highlights yet. No. Um, but to me, it looked a clean strike straight to the top corner. So I'm not quite sure where they've got the deflection aspect of it from. But obviously, we'll, hopefully we'll see video of it at some time because it, it looked to me a really good clinical strike right into the top corner as Ben described it. So yeah, we both had reasonable views of it, it, didn't we? And, um... We had reasonable views, both of us, so I'm pretty sure it was no reflect deflection there. Yeah, probably just trying to put him down, you know. I'm not having that. <laughs> I don't like it when the triple play, play goals down. You got this, you know, us journalists, you know, you try and expand on things, make it exaggerated. I try, can't be playing things down. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. Um, we said we heard some audio now uh, about some strikers. Um, so, yeah. Now, if you're recruiting a player at, at, at Bradford, no disrespect. They're not going to expect the world, are they? So they come to Hereford and they expect the world. Let's be honest about it, we're a big football club. So when you're coming in, the type of players that we want... Look, I always said we're a project. The type of players we're trying to target are players that can take us to the next level. So that takes time, that takes money, that takes players that want a bit extra. So we kind of have to sit back and wait sometimes. And when they realise they haven't got options, then we get them cheaper. So, um, but the reality is players, you know, I've been a player. You look at Hereford, you look at Bradford, I'm coming to Hereford and the manager wants me. I'm going to want more money. It's a football club. They get 2,000 fans every week. It's a big football club. They're going to want more. And that's the reality of it. And I understand it. I've been there as a player. Um, and when you go to big clubs, you want more money. But... The reality is, our budget is what it is, and we've got to be stringent with it, and we've got to get the right bodies in. So it's going to take time. So we've just got to wait, be patient, and then hopefully the players will come up. So, so uh, Ben, do you think that strikers are needed, and if so, how many? Well, yeah, although we haven't, the Hereford haven't got any. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> definitely need a striker or two. I mean, you probably say Store is more of a, a wide man or just behind a striker. So, yeah, they, they, there's none. <laughs> um, at the moment but yeah I imagine Josh is frantically trying to get two strikers in but it's, it's difficult because if you get one in on loan from, from the higher league and they start scoring goals they'll be immediately recalled um, and then if you if you got one from below from the leagues below then they've got to be committed to daytime training that probably 75 to 80% have probably got other jobs and families and they're, they're already their lives are built around evening training uh not training in the daytime so it's going to be difficult and he, you know, josh has alluded a couple of times to the fact that they might have to bring in youngsters or players that have that love like kuya or Yuzeli ishmael that 
are, are just wanting one last chance of, of their football dream, really. Um, that might be the sort of player he has to bring in. I mean, hoping that we get the experienced football league defenders on a, a strap budget, or, or defender or two strikers that they need, both really, one centre-half and two strikers, the three additions that they need. Um, I think they'd be very hopeful to get experience as sort of a Jamie Grimes sort of character to get anyone in at that that level on the budget and daytime training. I think the, the fans might have to cope with them looking a bit shaky at the back this season and and having some strikers that are given chances that, that may work, may not. And I think there's going to be some gambles made um, in the next couple of weeks. I don't know what Keith thinks of that. Well, I think there's, there's a hope because obviously the transfer window shuts in a couple of weeks' time, I think it is, within the sort of football league setup. So I think there'll be a number of players that will become available who are not involved as heavily as they would like uh, at their parent club. So I think that there might be a bit of movement there. So I'm a little bit more hopeful of getting uh, some players in from there. But for me, I'm not as worried as Ben seems to be uh, in the attacking uh, third of the pitch. I still think we've got enough players capable of scoring goals. Um, my more more concerned about the, the centre-back role and that leader, somebody at the back who's obviously marshalling and shouting and has got plenty of experience to help the other players through. And I think that's what, what's really needed. We've got we've got cover, uh, you know, both Ben Pollock and um, uh, what else was there? Uh, Luke Haynes, obviously, uh, who can fill in there alongside a commanding centre-back. But for me, that's that's the first piece that still needs to be sorted. Uh, before you can look into attacking uh, options. I mean, attacking options, yeah, that's just by all means get them in. I'm not saying suggest you don't do it if they become available. But uh, for me, I'd, I'd be just concentrating on getting that centre-half position sorted out first before I really worry about the periphery. We've got enough players, I think, to score goals already. Yeah, as that famous Sir Alex Ferguson quote says, uh, attack wins you games, defence wins you titles. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to have to, uh, if we're going to think expecting to get into the playoffs this season. Um, but yeah, we talk, Ben, you alluded to it previously about the sort of the part-time training in the training in the day um, debate. How difficult is it, do you think, for a club like Hereford, um, because of the part-time, full-time hybrid, um, to, to attract players? Do you think it, it puts sort of a stepping, uh, a sort of a, a stumbling block there? It doesn't, it doesn't. Um, I think players, from a higher calibre, if, if COVID's hitting massively, because I think the, the whole hybrid setup was before COVID when the budgets were higher and there wasn't that issue so much, whereas now COVID's hit them commercially, hit the club commercially. And um, so, yeah, they're probably looking at a reduced budget. So they've obviously got less less money to offer the, the football league players that Kiefer are saying going to drop down in the next couple of weeks. Um, to, to national north level um, and then yeah you're stuck really because you either you've, you've got to put you've got to try and get players out of the ones the leagues below from their part-time football that they've probably enjoyed and alongside their job they're probably making a bit of earner and you've got to match that wage and that's probably just as much as paying someone from a football league to come down and play because you, you're paying them their, their day job wage and their football wage that they're combining at the moment in step three or four. 
Um, so yeah, it's 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 really difficult. Uh, but if you want to get back to where Hereford uh, goals is to get back to, then you have to be full time daytime anyway in the in the next league above. So if you're preparing for that league, which Hereford are, then if you start do if you just do nighttime training, then it's going to be a big jump next season or season after whenever they get promotion um, whenever that might be it might be two three years but it's still a massive jump from nighttime training to straight to full time in the national prem so it's it's a big decision to make but I think I think it's the right one but I think fans just got to be a bit patient with the fact that this season I think they may not have the sort of quality players because of the COVID hitting commercially and the budgets that other teams may have that train in the night in the evenings because they could probably get club uh, t- players a bit cheaper part time. Whereas Hereford are obviously looking at the higher caliber players and maybe they can't bring as many of them in as they would like to or they would have before COVID hit. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Is it's National League full t- full time now? All of it. Yeah, more or less. I think I don't know what Keith thinks, but I think bar yeah, more or less one or two might be hybrid like Hereford, but. Most of them are full-time, if not all of them. Yeah, no, I completely agree with Ben. They've got to go uh, for this morning training model and expand it in the future. If you go up, you're not going to be doing twice twice a week training. You'll be training throughout the week. So, you know, that all has to be addressed. I think what's more likely to happen is there wouldn't be the strength in depth. So instead of having 16 players that are really chomping at the bit to be in the first team, you probably end up with 12 or 13 that are, absolutely capable uh, and you've got then youngsters trying to make their way uh, in to, to fill things within the squad. I think that's probably what Josh is more likely to, to look at. So, you know, it'd be a luxury to have 2021 20, players. Um, we're not going to do that. We're not going down. I think it would be a very retrograde step if Hereford suddenly decided, oh, no, we're not going to do daytime training now. We're going to go back to part-time in the evenings after people have already done a day job. Uh, for me, it's not the way to go. So uh, I think they need to work with what they have and um, just hopefully, fingers crossed, pick up the odd gem uh, along the way. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it's part of the recruitment at this sort of level, isn't it? If, if you, you sometimes just get lucky with a player like that. So, uh, Ben, uh, two more fixtures coming up. Two fixtures in three days, I believe, for Hereford um, against AFC Fylde and Telford. Um, what can you tell us about the, the two opponents um, and how difficult of a test will they be? Filed will be the, the big, the, well, they'll both be big tests. Uh, a win against either of them will be a big win for Hereford. Um, you'd probably say three points from the two games would, would be very good return. Um, filed Hereford beat last year at Edgar Street, but yeah, they're a good team. They'll, they're going for automatic. They've got a lot of money behind them, a lot of backers. It uh, looks like they've already gelled. They've started well. So, yeah, it's going to be a very tough ask. But you never know. Zeli Ishmael might turn it on and make them all look a bit stupid. So, Hereford got the talent there to, to do something like that. But they've also got the defence that may capitulate and um, it might be a bit ugly. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, depends who Josh Gowling signs at 2 o'clock on Saturday as well. So, we, know, we, never, we never quite know. Until, until the team sheet comes out, if there'll be three new faces on it, there might be t- two new centre halves and a centre forward. Who knows? But yeah, until two o'clock on Saturday, it's hard to 
to preview any game too much because you never quite know this time of year who's, who's going to turn up on a Saturday and put the ball shirt on. Keith, what are you thinking about uh, AFC Telford? What will they provide? Yeah, well, Telford, you know, they're always sort of um, trying to get boost themselves up into their playoff position. It started well, had a good result uh, at the weekend. So um, there's always a slight edge. It's not, not really a local derby, but, you know, in terms of ge- geography, it's not too far for Hereford fans to travel. It's a bank holiday Monday. So I think there'll be a good following uh, for the Bulls up there at the new Bucks head. And um, yeah, let's bring that one on. It'd be a good test, I think. Uh, I think Fylde, Hereford probably have to raise their game uh, against Fylde as they, they did last year uh, to actually get a, a positive result there. I think it'd be much more a closer game. I mean, it could, could be totally wrong. Um, but yeah, if they can, those three points that Ben was referring to, you're more, for me, are more likely to come at the new Bucks head than they are at Edgar Street. But football being what it is, uh, who knows what will what will happen? And um, I look forward to both games actually. Um, but then yeah, so moving on from Hereford, um, another side, Westfields. I played their FA Cup game. Unfortunately, lost to Coventry. Um, Coventry United, I believe. Um, ben, um, were you there? Are we there or did you miss out on that one? No, no, I can't be in two places at once. Or was it the same <laughs> time? Is it? <laughs> it was the same time as the Bradford game. Yeah, unfortunately. So a bit of a clash there. Uh, as much as I'd love to have watched both games, yeah, not quite possible. So you probably know much. You've spoken to the manager, didn't you, yeah. on uh, Monday? So you probably, well, I was too busy partying in Shropshire. So <laughs> no more than me. Yeah, well, yeah, Phil was, you know, Phil Glover was very, um, you know, complimentary. But then also said the performance was good, but the result wasn't. At the end of the day, they want to be a team of winners, and they want, he wanted the team to read everything that he said. Um, so he'll get a, at least eleven view uh, readers on on that article, um, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's a shame that they went out, obviously, with their relationship with the FA Cup. Uh, but hopefully, next year can be their year to you know push on into maybe another further round. Um, yeah, but I, I think I think the, the setup down there is good enough that they can go on another run like that. Yeah, I did notice that um, Aidan Thomas and um, Richard Greaves were both ruled out for the game, which is two massive parts of the Westfields jigsaw. And the FA Cup's just about as much of luck as anything. And that's a very bad stroke of luck yeah. <laughs> ahead of such a big game to have you two, because uh, Westfields probably got seven or eight senior players in that starting 11, mixed in with three bright, really bright youngsters. And we're your best two, well, your top two of them, really. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anyone more influential going forward than them two players uh, for Westfield. So to have both of them out injured the day before the game or on the on the day of the game, yeah, it's, it's very it's a stroke of bad luck. And I think that probably ultimately cost them in the game. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Keith, you've been keeping up with any of the Paralympics? Not as yet, although I think stories won a gold. Uh, yeah. away. So um, we're off to a flyer in that. Yeah. Um, but we usually do very well in the Paralympics. Uh, obviously, a fair bit of lottery funding uh, for our Olympians out there. So good luck to them. I think they'd you know, yeah. be, be good to see as, as many medal uh, medals, you know, posted up there and the the flag flying, as it were. But um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I got a Herefordian in there. Well, uh, moved to Hereford anyway, Dan Pembroke um, in the P13 Javelin, I believe. Um, when is that event happened then? 
I no, think, no, I it's second um, of September. Second of September, Thursday, yeah. So that, Thursday, the week tomorrow. So yeah, so we'll, we'll cover it now, but we'll also have a chat about it next week and maybe the week after as well. Uh, yeah, so Dan Pembroke come back, travelled the world um, and now competing in the uh, Paralympics. So much best of luck to him. Um, in, in the And he's got a feature in the Hereford Times this week, I believe, Ben. Yeah, yeah, to print this week, yeah, we... Held it over because I was too busy partying. So it was meant to be last week. <laughs> I realised there was going to be a gap in the paper. So I held it over for this week. Excellent. So you can read about it in this Thursday's edition. Definitely. Uh, and finally, the favourite part of the show, I think, so far. Um, the Fantasy League updates. Are Keith, are you in the Fantasy League this year? No, I'm not in it this year. I'm, I've, I've done them in the past, but I'm uh, just a step too far at the moment. I've been busy doing uh, Talking Ball the Hereford. Uh, independent fanzine that's going to be on yeah. sale on Saturday. So my time has been spent dealing with that rather than fantasy transfers from one <laughs> to another. It's very, very time consuming. If you, it you take it seriously, um, you know, it gets under the skin and you get very competitive doing it. We can definitely see that HT Sports editor Ben is not taking it seriously, <laughs> in, sitting in 67th of 71. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a bit of a poor week this week, Ben. Well, I've just I've just railed in Jack Grealish uh, yeah. this morning, so hopefully my uh, fortunes will turn along with Jack's at Man City. So we'll see. Yeah, but yeah. No, he did not, captain not... Trey Adams though, and he did get uh, technically get an assist. So yeah, ten points for Trey Adams. Yeah, Mo Salah let me down. Well, that's he no did. Surprise, is it? <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> I already cannot find the back of the net and Cody, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, not not a great week for me. I, I was uh, saved by Trent Alexander Arnold and Costa Simicas at Liverpool, um, both getting an assist. So they they carried my week, even though I only got 52 points, which is only eleven more than Ben, which is poor form. But at the top of that league at the moment, Boxy's Barmy Army, Connor Box, uh 187 points. Oh, I'm not gonna say that. Oh, oh Koch. Uh, from Edward Kempton, um, eight, uh, 187 points as well. And Hamboys, um, who's also got 187 points. So fair enough to them. Um, hopefully next week, Ben, you can uh, maybe climb up the table a little bit more, uh, maybe get into three figures. We'll see. I think you'd probably be going the other way, Chris. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit, I'm, I don't spend too long, maybe like two minutes on it a week. So, yeah possibly go the other way but we never know Wolves may hit five and try or they might score a hat trick who knows yeah you might have to, you might have about 50 shots to get those three goals probably but yeah anyway um to finish the podcast now so thank you very much uh to keith and ben for joining me on the latest balls cast make sure you check us out on um as many platforms we're trying so hard to get it on apple Podcasts. i've yet to get the confirmation from them yet though uh so just listen to us on spotify and anchor and google podcasts for the moment um, but yeah, uh, thank you very much, gents, once again, and we will see you in the next one.